0: Welcome to Many Faces, Many Places. This is Roxy Lee. I'm so excited to be bringing you my special guest today. Her name is Sweet Alice. She is an artist and singer-songwriter. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Hey, Alice. So tell us a little bit about you.
1: Um, Well, I live in California, and um, I am a dog owner, a dog mom. I have a dog named Waldo. I write music, I paint, I make mixed media art. I am sober. I'm a musician. I play the piano. I'm the youngest of four kids. I work for Adobe. So Oh, yeah, you I'm busy. Do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you do at Adobe?
1: I do contract operations. So I just get I just review contracts and make sure that all the legal languages there, billing language. It's very boring, but lots of reading. And then I get it signed. Let's do a bunch of stuff in the system.
0: Sounds very um, important. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I work from home, so that's really nice. So how did you grow up? Yes, I was um, born in Kansas City, but moved to Utah really young. I was raised there. did all my schooling there. I grew up in Sandy, Utah, which is a very suburban, very Mormon neighborhood. Um, Went to elementary school there. Went to junior high and high school there, and then I went to the University of Utah in Salt Lake City. That's where I did college. So that was my time spent in Utah.
0: Okay. So you told me you were brought up in a Mormon household, right? Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Sure. Yes. Um, Both my parents are Mormon. They raised us all in the Mormon Church, and um, my house shared my my backyard fence shared the parking lot, or was the fence between my yard and then the parking lot was of the church. So we lived like right next to the church. Um, So yeah, basically you go to church every Sunday for a few hours and you do youth group during the week, lots of like service projects and helping around the neighborhood and working at like food warehouses and just being really involved in the community with that. I did like a lot of singing. They do a lot of music in the Mormon church. And so I did a lot of singing in front of everyone. And yeah, so that was pretty much my upbringing um, all up until college. And, you know, you go to school with the kids you go to church with, and it's just very, very predominantly Mormon. Yeah. Lots of like, when I was younger, you know, like very spiritual, like from a young age, very like a lot of faith and praying and love Jesus and was really involved and really into that. So, I mean, I just kind of got on board with it from a young age and my older siblings were, I can't really speak to their, stories too much. But, um, you know, my sister left the church when she was in high school, and then my brothers remained Mormon. And then when I was growing up, and when I got to school, I actually, uh, when I got it to to the University of Utah, I actually um, left the Mormon church completely.
0: What led to that decision?
1: You know, um, growing up in that church, you know, it's a lot of, um, there's a lot of rules no drinking coffee, no drinking alcohol, no smoking, no swearing, you know, very like strict moral guidelines. I think for, you know, for the first like part of my life and for most of my upbringing, it was, it was difficult just because I was, I was very curious and very creative and very sensitive. And so a lot of the spirituality piece really made sense to me. I was very emotional. And so I really had some deep feelings about you know, that that religion in particular really hit a, a deep part of me. But um, when I started getting a little bit older, um, there were just pieces of it that really didn't like resonate with me anymore. It was very difficult for me to believe that there was only one true religion and one true way to you know be living your life spiritually and religiously. And when I went to college, I just started meeting so many different kinds of people. And I just kind of had this feeling in my heart and kind of in my soul just that... Um, you know, all these people from all over the world have all these different ways that they've been living and all, you know, different and unique and different spiritual beliefs and practices. And I just had to really, I, I just couldn't be on board anymore that there's only one way to do things, you know, and one, only one God to believe in. And so I, I, like I said, I'm very curious. I started branching out and getting more curious about different religions. I took a world religions class in college and just started to, you know, have a better. um vocabulary and different types of faiths and different, you know, meeting people from all these different beliefs and just started to kind of pull me away from this idea that there was really only one way to do things and one God to believe in. So, um, yeah, ultimately I decided to leave that religion and I just never really looked back. I withdrew my records completely from the church and just started to kind of, uh, honestly drift from like really any spiritual path. It kind of, uh, just led me to kind of be floating for a while and since then you know I've I've found a different spiritual path that I'm on and kind of my own concept of like a higher power and a god that I that I believe in but it's definitely a big piece of my life and was a big kind of pivot you know from a, an upbringing that for the first 17 or 18 years of my life was really what it was all about for me so yeah just I guess that.
0: what I thought of is that it gave you being raised Mormon and being living so close to the church, literally across the parking lot, yeah. um, going mm-hmm. to the church so often, I think it gave you a background, kind of a foundation of what spirituality and religions are, uh, what they look like. And mm-hmm. I'm curious now that you have taken the world religions class in college and all of that, what stood out to you the most, I guess, and what Type of higher power do you kind of subscribe to now? If you can talk a little bit about it,
1: sure. Um, you know, I really came to understand that really what I believe is just in light, energy, goodness, kindness, love that more the qualities that we try to possess and share ourselves with share with other people and the way that we treat others is really what becomes more important. And that to me, that's really the most important way you can embody or channel, you know, a belief in any higher power. So, um, you know without getting too into it i do pray and i do have you know and i do meditate and i do connect with a spiritual level and for me that just involves a lot of visualization with light with energy with believing that we take energy from the earth and we take energy from the universe and that channel between the two is really what i take guidance from and trying to stay grounded but also you know really try to stay connected with something bigger than myself and really just understand the the key for me is just to understand that i'm not god that I can't play God in my life, you know, that I'm really not fully in charge of everything, you know, that's going to happen for me or has happened to me or is meant to happen to me. Um, I believe that I've lived lives before this one. I believe I'll live lives, you know, after this one and that there's just constantly lessons to be learning and that in this existence anyway, on this particular planet in this lifetime, that I have certain lessons I need to be learning. And so I just try to, you know, consult with or just pray and, and communicate with, with my particular God that I believe in. And it's really just a God of my own conception, you know, just something that I really resonate with and that I feel is big enough that it can guide me, but definitely not myself. okay
0: yes it's a god of your own perception but it's not your own self
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) yeah and
0: I love that I I do enjoy meditating I'm not really good about doing it consistently I'll be honest but I I think (laughs) I go through periods where I'm pretty good about it doing it daily and then I go through like months without ever doing it but yeah but I try to find time like to sit down and just be peaceful and just kind of not think about anything and i kind of count that as meditation as well but i i know that it would be beneficial for everyone to really take those moments just 10 or 15 minutes out of the day to try to meditate and connect with your self or another power more deeply spiritually and yeah. you talked about i think like maybe spending time in nature as well i love forest mm-hmm. bathing or desert bathing yes. yeah beach
1: mm-hmm. ocean you know, for me, that's really my happy place. That's where I find the most zen.
0: Yeah. Do you spend a lot of time on the beach?
1: Yeah, I try to. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm only a few miles away from the beach. And so really, it's pretty easy to just jump in the car and go and try to get a minute. But usually that's after work. So that's usually in the evenings um, around the weekend.
0: That's nice. And you get that sunset too.
1: Yes, exactly
0: okay well that's really interesting and can you tell us about your interest when you were in college yeah definitely i
1: went to college for music so i auditioned for a music program at the university of utah and i studied vocal performance which is focused on the classical technique of music so i was singing classical art songs and opera and singing arias and practicing classically. So I was around a lot of people with different abilities and skills and talents that school, you know, music school was, it was incredible, honestly. Like I wasn't, I'm not like a super good student. I don't consider myself like a really good student but I did take a lot of really interesting classes. You know, you study musicianship and different um, vocal pedagogy which means like you're really learning how to actually like teach music and or like, you know, try to impart musical knowledge to another person and for my instrument, the voice. But I went to school with all different kinds of musicians you know in the basement of the unit of the building that i went to there were all these practice rooms and so you'd be walking down the hall of the practice rooms and hear someone singing and someone playing violin and someone playing the oboe and someone on the you know whatever instrument trombone like all these different amazing musicians just practicing their craft in my program they don't really do like it's not musical theater based at all but there was a theater department at that university and at the end of my junior year, my during my senior year, I was able to um, kind of convince my instructors and kind of work it so that I could do some theater productions uh, it was not common. It was kind of unusual for them you know, to kind of straddle both. But I just really had missed that because I grew up doing musical theater and that was really more like my passion. And so I went to study classically because I had this intention that I was going to be a famous actor, famous musician and famous musical theater performer. My dream was to go to New York and be on Broadway, and so a big, you know, competitive um, advantage is to be trained classically, so that you can read music, so that you can do all different styles of music, and just really know your instrument. But I wasn't completely passionate about opera itself or classical music, and so I did kind of poke my nose into the theater department. I did um, an original musical. It was a, a Greek uh, story about the Bacchae, so that was really cool. We kind of got to collaborate with the. Um the actual writer of all that music, and that director did kind of like a scenes workshop and performance with um, other students there who were who needed kind of like a senior project. So I was able to do some skits, you know, for them and do a couple of scenes, which was really cool. So it also helped me, you know, like socially, like I was able to kind of branch out and you know meet some some students with totally different experiences and passions and backgrounds than like the classical world that I was living in.
0: So does everyone that get classically trained in music stay in that kind of genre, or do most of them branch out into other genres of music?
1: Um, It's kind of funny, like, it's really difficult for a lot of us to make that a career just because of, like, from a financial standpoint, like, it's very difficult, and it's very competitive, um, and it's really just about, you know, you as the instrument, like, for a vocalist anyway, for an actor, you are the instrument, and so it's very demanding on your body, you know, and very like physically um, you just have to be really like cognizant of that. So it's a whole lifestyle thing. So I know that, you know, and I have friends who from that program who did go on to do music professionally, but um, most of the people that I graduated with did not, you know, we have all different stories now and went to all different fields and have done, you know, some people ended up traveling and doing um, English as a second language in a different country, or, you know, I have a friend who now like runs marathons and like or has has done all kinds of cool like you know adventures with running and exercise like it's just everyone kind of has a different story but I definitely like for me I wasn't going to be able to sustain myself by just doing art or music so I had to kind of adopt some other skills and you know career choices I guess if that makes sense yeah
0: and you have a stable job right now so you're kind of doing both things yeah and
1: that's that that was really the only way that I was going to be able to do performances if I had like a a day job and something that was full-time and had benefits and Mm -hmm. you know all the adult stuff so that I could really you know really feel like I was going to be secure while I also was doing performance and I did get an opportunity. I lived in Denver for several years and I did get an opportunity there to be working like a day job and do that full time. But then in the evenings, I would take the train down to the, you know, this regional theater in Parker, Colorado at the, at the Parker Arts Center and did a bunch of productions with them that were more like a regional theater type vibe. So, and like you get paid a little bit and, you know, you get just kind of a more, um, I guess, professional experience. You know, that was kind of the closest I came to to really being able to make it part of like my daily life and, and do shows year round with them.
0: That's kind of nice. That's kind of a nice gig, kind of a balance. Yeah. Did yeah. you go to school in any other states? Nope. Just went to the University of Utah for those four years. Okay. And then you wrote that you, um, whenever I like, I'll say you wrote something, I'll cut this out. But <laughs> just a <to> reminder, <laughs> um, you said you got into your dream program in New York and then couldn't afford it in 2008, so you didn't end up going to New York, I guess. We can talk about right. that and how you met your husband.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. Yes.
1: So um, between my junior and senior year, I I had really, even going into the music program at the University of Utah, I really had this um, vocal instructor who encouraged me to do that and to study classically. And when I was with him in my like, teenage years, he took a group of us to New York City and to see productions and to kind of like get a taste of that. And um, there's a school there called Circle in the Square and it's an acting school and uh, they do a musical theater workshop during the summers. And so um, I wanted to study and go to school there, but in the, you know, as kind of a taste of it, I did audition for their musical theater workshop for the summer and I was accepted and it was very competitive and it was a huge, you know, super exciting. It was like a huge step for me. And so I did spend a summer living in Manhattan and going to school there every day for acting classes and you do movement and you do, um, you do singing classes and you do, you know, acting classes and just kind of the whole gamut, kind of that triple threat mentality of just doing, you know, dance and acting and singing. And so, um, that was, that was one of the most like amazing experiences of my life. I really felt at home there. I really felt like I was in my, in my vibe, you know, like really feeling, like I was using my full potential and all my skills and all this stuff and it just felt so good and so um, right and so the following uh, I came back to finish my senior year and the following spring I auditioned for their program and I was accepted and that was huge and it was just like my dreams were coming true Um, and then you know towards the end of my senior year I kind of had been trying to work with them on some sort of like financial aid and they didn't offer any scholarships or any financial aid they didn't have any student housing and so these are things I hadn't really thought about I just was like I want the thing you know I want the the opportunity and so I hadn't really done that type of planning and I didn't have any financial support you know from from family or anything like that I was totally on my own with like um with money and all of that so I just there was no way I was going to be able to afford it especially being so young you know like 22 years old I hadn't been saving 60 grand to go to school for a year in New York you know plus living there and everything so I did kind of I had to really um kind of let that dream go in a way just to, just for for then you know just kind of thinking like okay my life's going to go a little bit of a different way right now and it was devastating. It was really difficult, and I still get emotional when I think about it because it really felt like you know I had I had it like right in my hands, and then I had to kind of surrender. Um, and that was it's difficult. It still hurts, you know, because I feel like I kind of missed this opportunity. But it actually, you know, I I think things happen for a reason, and as a result of that, I have a sis. I have an older sister, and she lives in California as well, and she has for most of her life and so she was out here already so when I finished uh school and didn't choose to go to New York or wasn't able to go to New York I came out for the summer to live with her and kind of like lick my wounds and kind of recover you know and just be in like a safe place and um I ended up doing a theater performance in Santa Barbara and it was a musical for Hair the Musical which was super you know just kind of like a fun gig I just didn't want to stop performing and so I auditioned for that
0: Save yourself that trip to the market. Instacart delivers fresh local groceries to your front door in as little as one hour by connecting you with personal shoppers in your area to shop and deliver hand selected groceries from your favorite stores. Instacart even highlights deals to save you money, which is convenient if you're like myself who somehow just suck at using coupons. Get free delivery on your first order over $35 by using the link in today's show notes, which in turn helps support this podcast
1: and actually through that i met um who would then be who my future husband who is now my ex-husband so i met him doing that theater performance and then life really took a totally different route Um, we moved in together we moved to pasadena for a year and we um moved in together like a year into dating and kind of started like a like a life together and we ended up moving. That's how I got to Denver. Um, He took a job in Denver. And so we moved from LA to Denver. And then I was there for seven years. You know, that whole time I wasn't like Colorado was not like my thing. I know a lot of people love it there. There's a ton of stuff to do hiking and fishing and all this, you know, these different outdoor activities. And I'm just not a very outdoorsy person. Like I don't like hiking. I don't love the mountains. I don't ski or do any winter sports. So it's not like really my vibe. And so I wanted to get back out to California eventually and knew that I really wanted to make a life out here. So in 2020, we were able to buy a home and we bought it remotely. We didn't even see our condo until we actually moved in, but my parents live in California as well. So my dad was able to kind of FaceTime me and look through the property and send me some videos. And we worked with a realtor that my sister really trusted and had used. And so I felt really secure in all the home buying process. And we were able to get all the paperwork done and the money and everything kind of worked out and was flowing, flowing, flowing. And then we came out here and it was like so surreal because I just felt immediately at home. I felt like I was like home. And again, having my sister and my parents out here, I was able to, you know, kind of have like more of a safety net again for myself anyway. It just felt like really the right thing to do. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. And this might be a, a good segue, but um when we moved out here, there was some hesitancy, I think, on on his part just as far as like building a new life out here. He had family in, in Colorado, and so that was kind of a safety net for him. And so we we're moving away from his family and friends and his job. And you know, so he found another job out here. I was able to work remote because of COVID. My whole company said if you're in operations, you know, you really not needed in an office and so you can work remotely so I was able to like keep my job which was amazing and come out to California and so you know about a month into living here, you know, we'd had like just some some difficulties and there were, you know, areas in our in our relationship and in our marriage that really were probably a result of getting married um without really fully thinking through, you know, the reason for it. It was I know a lot of people find their love story and they're like, this is my person forever. And I want to get married and make babies. And that's some people's story and their reality, which is, you know, wonderful for them. For me anyway, like I never wanted to have kids and I never wanted to get married to begin with. When we were living together, um, he did have um, health insurance that he like kind of had on the side, but wasn't working a job where he had health insurance. And it was a huge concern to me because he was doing um, road bike racing. And had been in some like really bad crashes and had had some really bad injuries. Um, it was very stressful thinking that like he might be, you know, really seriously hurt and not have any health insurance. And my solution at, at this time in my life, I had, you know, taken on this role of like really trying to fix and to, you know, control his life. And to be totally frank, you know, in his decisions. And so I I told him that if he wanted health insurance, that my company... Would offer it for him and cover him if we were married. Um they didn't like recognize or like um acknowledge like a domestic partnership, and we had been together for eight years at that time. And so they didn't you know acknowledge that he, that mm-hmm. you know or give him benefits for that reason. And so I just said, i you know you need health insurance or we need to get married. And we thought, you know we felt like we'd be together forever anyway. And so we did decide to get married. And then, like i it was only a few weeks later we went to the courthouse. And we did invite our families and they, they did attend and we got married in the courthouse and our family sat in the jury box and like, watched the, you know, like we're there for our ceremony and everything. And so when we did that, you know, we, it was a few years later that we moved to California. And like I said, I just think that it wasn't really rooted in kind of like that, um, in that reason that a lot of people have where they know that that's their person for sure forever. So, you know, there were just some, some differences in kind of the direction our lives were going. You know, I really, really had this um, artistic drive and this feeling that kind of like nothing or no one could stop me. And while he was very supportive, there was something in me that just felt like I'm I'm being held back by being in this relationship, by being in a marriage right now. And there's some other some other things that contributed to it. I was drinking very heavily. I was I'm, I identify as an alcoholic. I had a very heavy year of drinking in 2020, and and that really got in the way of a lot of. Um, you know, potential like connections with different people and also with like kind of keeping a healthy relationship with him. Um, I chose alcohol and weed over, you know, over a strong marriage pretty much every day. So we just, you know, we did drift apart in some ways. And like I said, there's other reasons that were in me that, that he didn't necessarily see or agree with, but I had made, you know, that decision internally that I, that I wanted to end the marriage and, it was only a couple months after moving out here together that I just said, I, I don't want to be in this marriage anymore. Will you grant me a divorce? And he agreed. And actually three months after moving here, he ended up moving back to Denver and was, um, you know, then surrounded by family and friends again, which I think was really important for his you know transition for that. And for me to have family out here and to, you know, feel secure out here was kind of the right place at the right time. Um,
0: Thanks for yeah. sharing that and being yeah. open and vulnerable about it. Um, yeah. Did, were you guys married at the time that you purchased the condo? Yes.
1: yes. yeah, We got married mm-hmm. in 2017. And then just a few years later, we did buy the condo out here and kind of agree that we'd have, you know, a time in California. It was kind of for me. It was it was kind of my turn, quote unquote, to like, you know, get to live near family and
0: mm-hmm. not and where I wanted to live. So do you still share ownership of that property or do you still own it? I, I own it, yeah. So mm-hmm. I actually bought bought
1: him out for that property. And so I kept it and um, kept the
0: dog. The dog, Waldo. <laughs> yeah. Waldo. But, yeah. Did you guys Waldo. Adopt, yeah, did you guys get him together or you already had him before? We did.
1: Yeah, we had lived in an apartment in Denver together. And then when we bought um, our first condo together in Denver as soon as we had that option and we were no longer in an apartment and we had a condo where you could have animals, we we bought the dog and just, yeah. Um, yeah. Are
0: you I think it was always kind of all? like,
1: um, I'm okay with cats. I wasn't in, I was not a cat person until the last like year or so. Mm-hmm. For some reason I went, I went on like a road trip with my dad and we stayed with this, um, his cousin and, and they have like a farm and they have like all these animals. And, they have this cat that just like really liked me and just would come around me and like spent, like wait outside my door in the morning when we stayed over at their place and was like kind of just waiting for me and like would let me pick it up and hold mm-hmm. it and stuff. And it wasn't really that into into other people. So I felt very special. And I think with cats, like if they like you, you're kind of like in the club. And so, yeah, I just kind of got like OK with cats and yeah. now I like them.
0: That's definitely true. Yeah, Yeah. that's the same with my neighborhood (laughs) strays. Yeah. There's a couple that really like us, but we've always had dogs, my husband and I
1: um mm-hmm. So
0: we're 100 percent dark people, but but we like cats yeah. too if they like you back. So
1: <laughs> right, it's like something about that where you're like, oh, I guess they approve. So just, mm-hmm. like, oh, they're sweet. In.
0: Look at that, mm-hmm. they're affectionate. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's been a wild ride. But I mean, you were yeah. married for you said eight years.
1: So th- no, we were in the relationship for ten years total, or, uh, almost eleven years, but we were only married for like four. Oh, uh, okay. Three, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. so you guys were together for a really long time yeah over a decade yeah. so at that All time of our 20s mm-hmm. by that time some people are considered married like you said but to get the health right. insurance they ask for a form to prove that, like the certificate of marriage. So, yeah. yeah. So, I understand your decision for at first going from, I never want to get married and it was working right. out fine for you guys having just that relationship without having anything on paper. And then to going, okay, I guess we'll do it just because of this. So that way you can get health insurance. And I totally can understand that why someone would do that. Yeah. And then it's just unfortunate that things didn't work out in the end. I think maybe bringing him away from Denver and away from his family, I think that might have been a huge adjustment. Yeah, and then definitely. Yeah. And then just things that you were struggling with too, and you guys just probably weren't seeing eye to eye on things. Yeah. But at what point did you know internally that you wanted a divorce, like for sure? Or did you have a period of wavering? I knew for sure. Um,
1: and we did, you know, we had been working through, um, just relationship stuff in general in, in couples therapy. And we were in couples for almost two years. Um, by the time this happened or by the time I wanted the divorce and there had been a period of time earlier that year in 2020, where I really felt like, um, I guess it was in 2019, that I just really felt like there was something missing and something, you know, not fulfilling for me. I didn't feel like we really were going in the same direction with life goals. I wasn't really honestly very sure if he had any life goals. And it was very difficult for me to like wrap my head around that and not really have like a, you know, a future plan, I guess, Um, kind of frustrated me. And I think for him, it was a little bit more like day by day, like he's a very like calm, you know, very chill person. So for me at the time, I was like very manic, and I was in a very big manic episode and just feeling like I was, you know, just unsatisfied. And I did take um a couple of weeks away, actually, and just kind of took some space and felt like that, you know, was kind of like an ultimatum. And we had talked about it in couples therapy and kind of had an understanding of what I needed, you know, from the relationship and. About six months later is when I, I knew that I hadn't really seen the changes that I had been asking for or seen, you know, that adjustment that I was that I needed to really feel like we were on the same page. And so that pretty much secured for me just that I don't think this is going to work in, in the long run. And, you know, like you said, getting married for that reason. I know a lot of people do it. I don't think we're the only ones who've ever gotten married for health insurance. I'm like finding it's actually pretty common. But yeah, just in our case, it just was it wasn't a, the right reason. So I did know, you know, pretty much very solid, um, very solid emotional response to to needing to end the marriage.
0: Okay. So you had a a deep confirmation from your own gut and you weren't really questioning or trying to get advice from people or just not sure what to do.
1: I did, say, you know, I did get advice from people. I, did, I, I mean, I wasn't really sure what to do because I didn't really see myself as someone who's going to get divorced. You know, like you don't really picture like when you get married, like all oh, this might end. I'm, I'm, so I did get advice. You know, like my my sister had gone through a divorce when she was in her early 20s or mid 20s, and and she's a behavioral therapist, and so she's seen pretty much everything, and so she's worked with a lot of couples and and seen them go through transitions like that. I remember her telling me. Um, you know that her biggest piece of advice is to not make any decisions like that unless i have tried everything i possibly could and i do feel like i tried everything i possibly could you know with couples therapy and like i said with that experience just saying this is what i need like this is really really truly what i'm expecting from our relationship and then kind of not getting that and yeah being being in therapy together being in therapy individually um I'm diagnosed bipolar and so I always kind of wanted to like make sure that I was like stable on my own medications and that I kind of had my shit straight so that I could you know make decisions like that like with a clear head and um, one of the things keeping me from thinking clearly was like I said that I was just so drinking so heavily and smoking you know just all the time all day every day and it was standing in the way of a lot of decision making. Um, including, you know, really feeling like confident, like this is the right thing. So I think I wavered as far as like, however, this sounds like, do I want to be a statistic and like be a divorced person, you know, like that, for some reason, in my head was kind of like, once you do it, like you're now in this group of like, you say you're divorced, you know, which to me was kind of just something that for whatever reason, kind of affected the way I was thinking about it. And the other thing I thought was just, if I do want to go through with this, I really want to know that I'm thinking completely clearly. And I actually did quit drinking and smoking altogether to make that decision. So, um, it was in like October of that year that I decided to get completely sober. And I worked with a hypnotherapist because I was really not able to just do it on my own. And so she kind of, um, we worked from at it from a subconscious level to kind of change my thinking about my relationship with alcohol and weed and um, smoking. And so I was very clear-headed at the time. My medication was right. We were working in couples therapy. I had kind of given an ultimatum at one point. I had asked, you know, what's your what's your plan? Can I see something tangible? Do you, ha- you know, really asking questions that I thought were really important to maybe, you know, get some kind of movement from him in the direction I thought that we should be going. So those were, I guess, not necessarily wavering, like should I make the decision or not, but just like, am I doing everything I possibly can Before I make this drastic of a decision or this big of a decision.
0: Right. Before you commit to being a statistic, which you do not want to (laughs) do. Right. Right. That's the tough pill to swallow. And then... Yeah. And then making sure that you've exhausted all your options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah. So by you saying that you didn't see much of a plan, like a goal in life from him, mm-hmm. um, what was, I guess, his career or what was lacking that you really wanted to see?
1: Um, He was in the, and I think he still is in like the bicycle industry. So like road bicycles, mountain bikes. So he, and he's very, skilled he's very gifted at that and really you know is like very talented with things with his hands and with his brain can like work like that and he's a super quick learner with all that stuff which I really admired I it was kind of like this journey over you know our whole time together of seeing him go through some different career choices um which I I will say like kind of contributed to my like need for some kind of solidity that I wasn't really seeing because he had changed careers several times When we first met, he worked at a theater. And then when we moved to LA, it was for him to work at a different theater. When we moved to Denver, it was to work at a different theater. Then when we got here, he quit that job just a few months in, a couple months in and went to work on bikes. And then he stayed in bikes for the rest of our time there in Denver and had a few different positions there. Um, And then, you know, for hobbies anyway, like he does play the guitar and is a musician. Um, We never made music together or really vibed, you know, on that, I think, I think they're you know it's more just like from like a, an energetic standpoint that like an energy type of exchange like for me never really worked with it. It's not that he wasn't a good musician or that we had any competition or anything like that. He was super supportive of all you know the musicals that I did and all my musical endeavors. Uh, we just didn't really vibe like to work make music together necessarily, and that was something I kind of wish that we'd had you know had that kind of connection, but he also um you know he talked about doing coding and then like kind of didn't do that and there were just some other ideas like about different jobs that he could do that that never really like he saw through and just like stayed doing bikes um it was difficult i kind of felt like i was the breadwinner in the family because i had a job with insurance and benefits and a 401k and stock and those things had become important to me, like during college, when I kind of was, like I said, on my own, like, I just felt like you have to make the money. And I just hustled. Like, that was always my mentality. Is like you just hustle and you just put your head down and just get a job, even if you don't want it, so that you can pay for the life you do want. Whereas I think he was kind of a person who really felt like you're fulfilled in life by what you do, you know, like you should do something you you love and have a passion for. And I didn't see like a lot of promise in like being uh, working in a bike shop for the rest of his life. You know that was difficult for me to wrap my head around.
0: Right, and, like how much advancement can there really be? I mean, yeah, probably, like how much
1: advancement can there be?
0: Right, there might be large bike shops that you could be promoted to a manager or maybe an owner right. or something. But right, yeah, but he, you didn't necessarily see that he had those drives either necessarily right
1: and it was you know even when we talked about coming out to California it was like what are you going to do in California and there was that there was a job at that old theater that we originally where we originally met when he was working um so they had like a position open at that same theater and so he was he took that position and that kind of enabled us to come out here you know that was part of the reason is that he was able to find a job out here and then that didn't work out and so then he went back to doing bikes again I don't know. As someone with bipolar disorder, like you need as much stability as you can possibly have in your life and having a partner who switches jobs and has like very fluctuating interests. It was always like a big source of frustration for me. Um, And I obviously have had, you know, fluctuating interests too. It's not like I always was on, I mean, I've always had really consistent interest in music and art and have, I mean, I, when I get a job, I keep the job. Like I had the same job for five years when we first moved to Denver um, just because I knew we needed a job you know, or that I needed a job. We needed a stable source of income. So I did that and then I had a better opportunity at Adobe. So I took that job and I've been there for almost for four years, over four years now. So I kind of just like do the thing, you know? And I think to me, it's really doesn't matter if it's fulfilling. I just kind of find fulfillment in whatever I'm doing, you know? And like I said, I think for him, it was like, you really want to be, you want to be passionate about what he does with his On a day-to-day basis which Mm -hmm. i can totally understand and see that but um i think just like not really like having like a thing for whatever reason like it was so important to me that like he have insurance like that that would actually drive me to kind of pressure us into a marriage was you know like i think very revealing too at the time of how like insecure and unstable i was and just how i really felt like i needed to like fix this what i saw as like a huge problem
0: Thanks for listening. You can now drop me a voicemail that might be aired in a future episode. You'll find the link in my Twitter and Instagram bios at MFMPpod. Subscribe to my YouTube channel by searching many faces, many places, all in one word. Lastly, make sure to tap the follow button on your favorite podcasting app to stay tuned for new episodes.